The way we connect to our faith is unique to us all. It's important to remember we're all on different paths and we just have to learn how to trust the journey. You're listening to Unsweet and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 24 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Meike Lemewi about the second season of the Hulu show, Rami. We discuss topics such as faith and creating a personal connection to God and our thoughts on the evil eye. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. So if you guys follow us on Instagram, you might have noticed that I have become a professional and avid runner. Oh Zena, my stop. God. It's been two weeks. <laughs> Girl, this is my talent. And I just realized I was like, wow, I, I was always a runner. Maybe oh my I God. Don't go as fast as others go, but I think I'm a runner now. Okay. Either way, I started listening to podcasts now from before I never usually had time or even just time alone to listen to episodes and whatnot other than ours. But this one was a really good one. It's on purpose um, from Jay Shetty. And the episode was called The One Toxic Mistake That's Damaging Your Relationships. And I'm like, I have to listen to this. And it was short. And I was like, why not? Let me indulge. And it was really, really good. And I sent it to Zena and you listened to it too. I listened to it. And so he really talks about how keeping score is one of the most toxic things you can do in relationships. And as I was listening, I was trying to kind of look into my own marriage and see, do we keep score? And the only thing I can think of is choosing a place to eat. We are constantly like, we are on top of that. Like I hate choosing restaurants and he's always like, but I chose last time. And that's like the only, alhamdulillah, the only uh, sense of keeping score in our relationship. Then I realized that I think I do it more often because when he's late, I get upset. And he's someone who's constantly late. And I think I'm that's someone, what Jay Shetty's talking about. Yes, that type of school Yeah, keeping. and I'm, so I'm like, you know, you were late last time we had a date night and you're late today. Like, and I think it can ruin the entire night when you're held on to that one thing that happened and sometimes being late is out of our control yeah when he literally started out with are you a scorekeeper and I was like no I'm no. not and then when he started going more and more in the conversation I'm like oh my god I, I am. am yeah I'm like a really bad scorekeeper and when he's talking about relationships you guys and whenever we even talk about relationships it's not just to just about marriage or dating or no it's about actually friendships too we often do that too how often do we also time our friends or we feel like one friend isn't there for us when we need them to be there or whatever like we do this too much. We have this tally in our heads and it's serving no purpose at all, but it's only diminishing your relationship with that, per with yeah, that person. Yeah, and something that he also mentioned that when he said it, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. We kind of want that person to keep messing up because it serves as validation that, yep, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And I get that satisfaction from being upset over something they did. And you know what? I think, you know, we're all guilty of it. We we tend to only see ourselves in a good light mm -hmm. and the other person in a bad light. And that's not healthy. Come on. You're, you're, nobody's perfect. You're, nobody's perfect in relationships. So there are things that you might not be doing right either, but guess what? They're not the type of person to keep score. So, and at the same time, you definitely don't want to blind yourself and put the blinders on and assume that person's also good all the time. When yes. You that's a you can't I, ignore the yeah. red flags you have to see somebody as a whole person i think sometimes we zone in too much on in certain aspects on people either we zone in on only their good characteristics or we completely go to the other extreme and we only focus on the bad things but we need to see somebody as a whole person because that's how you want to be seen as well like to a certain extent don't you agree zaina absolutely and i think whether it's a friendship or marriage, you're always going to feel wrong about that relationship that you have if you're constantly focusing on 
who's winning and who's, you know, focusing on the scores. And I think, you know, you, you start to zone in on just the bad stuff instead of focusing on, yeah, you know, my marriage is good, even though he's late and makes me choose the restaurants all the time. Like, you know what I mean? That's I think, the worst thing he could do. Yeah, I know, seriously. It's like really the it. worst. Like, do not make me choose where to eat. Yeah. yeah. But he did go into, like, the, like, what do you want to call this? Is it an acronym when it's like he uses the word deal and then for each letter, basically, it means something like for the word deal. Like he says, when you deal with this stuff, when you're with somebody and you feel like you're keeping score, he's like, look at this. Like basically, it's like a chart or whatever, however you want to look at it. But it's the word deal. D stands for deal breakers. What this person is doing, is it really a deal breaker? Like Zaina, is it a deal breaker that you have to choose the place where you have to eat Absolutely or that not. he's late? You know no. what I mean? No. And then E stands for embracing their quirks. Like, yeah, he may be late, but maybe he's showing up with flowers sometimes. Maybe he, as soon as he runs through the door, he looks at you he's like, oh my God, wow, you look so cute. Let's let's go. Let's go on a date night or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then A, if it gets to the point where it's really bothering you, he said, ask them. And basically, I think what he's trying to imply is like, sit down and have a conversation with this person and talk to them about what's bothering you. We don't do that. We don't communicate sometimes. And this is the most important one, I think, in my opinion, because conversations are so critical. You don't realize why the person is doing the things that they're doing. There might be some underlining reason that you have no idea about. And sometimes their habits or, you know, their habits annoy you, but they might have a justifiable explanation as to what's going on and you just you're so zoned in on the bad that they're doing you're not focused on why are they doing this i'm so bad when it comes to assumptions like i assume the worst like literally my sister the other day she's like you have a final destination type of mindset and i'm like what does that mean she's like you assume and expect the worst in every situation and i'm like yeah like the movie final destination i'm like that's (laughs) not good at all and then for l which is the last one he said love yourself like do not allow family, friends, or other people to take take control of your feelings and experiences of life. And I think sometimes, you know, when you grow up in a, like an Arab household, like you don't have privacy and some people tend to tell you what to do, how to feel and stuff like that. It can be overwhelming. So there has to come a point in your life where you really appreciate yourself and you trust yourself and you start making your own decisions and you also validate your experiences and your feelings. Yeah, he also said something about that. Um, he said, don't allow others to drive your journey, take control of your emotions. And I think that's a that's That was that's my favorite part because you know what he said? He's like, you let people drive you crazy. He's like, think about that sentence. He's like, so that means you're saying that they're sitting in the driver's seat you're sitting in the passenger seat, and it's so your, you're allowing them yeah. to do that. And I'm like, oh my God, mind blown. I really hope people feel that way about our podcast. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. I have to listen to Unseen and Unfolded. <laughs> that would be amazing. But for this week's episode, we have none other than Mekele Mewi. She was a prior guest on our season one where we talked about season one of Rami. This time we're talking about season two, but we're going And hopefully of, season three will have her on season three, yeah. Say inshallah, because we talked inshallah, about Hasad, inshallah, inshallah. This is a good conversation. We talked talk about relationships um, from our relationship to, with God, with our parents, with our friends, with ourselves. We talk about hasad. We go into just our struggles with faith in general. And I, it's so weird, Zana, because we didn't plan on having the season be all about faith. But I think we're in this moment. Again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I think we're all focusing on our spiritual journeys and whatnot. And I think that's where all of our conversations have been headed. And it's beautiful because we get to see everybody's spiritual journey from their own point of view. And I absolutely love that. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stick around for our afterthoughts. We kind of dive in a little bit more into the episode and our thoughts about our own personal struggles. So let's dive in. Let's do it. Congratulations on season three, May. Season two is incredible. I just finished watching it and I absolutely loved your role as usual, Dina, playing, you know, the sister of Rami. But we want to get to know the real May Kalemawi. If you would love to just introduce yourself and we can get right to it. I'm so happy to be here. Round two with you guys. I, I grew up in Bahrain and um, I'm half Egyptian, half Palestinian. On For some reason it says that I'm Bahraini, but I'm not. I mean, I grew up there, but it's just not my nationality. So I always feel like I, I should put that in there, even though like, I love Bahrain. Mm-hmm. And I started, I studied acting in university. I took a bit of a break when I moved back to the Middle East because I had studied in the States. And then I moved back to the States studied a bit more, and then started working. 
And you got your role, mashallah, on Rami. And you've also played other roles yes, um, yeah. within your acting career. But this was definitely a role that I think maybe it resonated with you because you felt like you're, you know, representing your culture, representing where you come from. And the topics you talk about kind of resonate with the rest of like the Muslim community, too, which is incredible. Yeah, it was fun to play a role that where you could feel where, you know, people will be able to resonate more. I felt I felt represented. So that's I think profound. that's exactly what you would look for when you're choosing a role. Is is this character something that I can relate to, and is this something that I know that my friends can relate to, or people that I don't even know can they resonate with that? And I think if I were to get into that field, I think that would be. I know it's hard to, you know, pick and choose what what characters and what roles you play, but I think every character in this show someone can relate to on some type of level. I watched the season and I think my favorite part of the season was the fact that, you know, Rami touched upon each character's struggle with their faith. And why I appreciated that so much is because, you know, all of us struggle differently in life in general. We struggle with our hardships differently. We perceive certain things that happen to us differently from one another. You know what I mean? So for me, I just it was so refreshing to see that, to, just, to be able to see each character understand what their faith is, what their faith expects of them, but what they're struggling with. And it was just a, a wide array of different hardships that they were facing. And I absolutely love that. But I do want to just talk specifically about your role and what you struggled with. And how does that relate to just who you are in person, who you are in real life? Like, did you share the same struggles that Dina shared on screen and who you are off screen? I believe that I, I, have, I have more faith than... Dina, she's more literal and I, I, I find a bit sarcastic towards things that you can't really see and uh, like not really explain. And but the where I can relate is that I grew up in Bahrain, a Muslim, and I practiced it for many years, but I never really felt connected. I didn't understand what that meant. And then when I was 25, after my mom passed away, I completely disassociated from the religion. Thank you. And, uh, and in some ways, it was like I was practicing for her. And so I, I disassociated because I didn't feel a connection. And I, you know, found I, I suppose her death put me on a path, put me on the path because I wasn't on the path before. I, it was more of a uh, performative, you know, like uh, sort of show of what the religion is. And I, I went through like meditation and just different paths and different practices that and and only recently have i found that i'm sort of relearning islam you know and actually i i i did it through this book i it was during ramadan and i was praying and i was just like oh i really want to connect through spirituality because that's sort of where i did find my connection with god and i know that i'm where i am now wouldn't be able to dip into like uh, all the rules and the laws of, of what religion that was put on me when i was younger it just wouldn't work with who i am right now so i found this quote it was like a friend posted it on Instagram. And then I looked at the author and I was like, oh, is she Arab? And then I checked out her book and she was. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I was like, is this a book about Islam? And then it was. And so I got it and I showed it to a friend. And she's like, I feel like a few of us should read it because a few of my friends and I who have grown up in the Middle East sort of were put under, uh, were given a flavor of Islam that unfortunately uh, tainted our experience of it. She's like, I feel like, a, a few of us are, are going to want that sort of relearning of it. And the book has been changing our life. Like we, we, <laughs> I created like this little book club of it. And now we're like 50 women who are all reading the book wow. and we meet once a week. I know we had to put a cap because I was like, guys, too many people. <laughs> what book is this? What book is it? It's Secrets of Divine Love. It's my next yeah. book that I'm about to read. It's literally sitting in my car right now as I'm recording with you. Really beautiful. It's really beautiful and heart opening. And it has spoken to all of us who were raised in, 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 like, in a fear-based way. And so many, I'm just learning so much. And it has such a focus and direction through love. And so this is sort of, I, me as a person, I enjoy like if I could learn about every religion and every faith and every practice that would make me happen happy because I'm that's who I am. And I believe like 
it's not about a worship of Islam. It's a worship of Allah and God. And so Islam is just a pathway, but I have respect and reverence for every other faith and practice. And I believe there are many bridges that can take us to a connection with God. And that's me. Sometimes like on one day, I want to light a candle and I want to uh, set an intention and feel like I'm co-creating with God. And on another day, I want to meditate. And on another day, and I don't have... Uh, I have what like, or it's almost like a cocktail that works for me and learning about the religion. I think one of the biggest things that I learned from the book up to now is that worship is like actualizing God's attributes. It's not just on the carpet. It's when you're just a good person, yes. you are in worship. And that for me was like, cause I'm surrounded by good people who, who maybe don't consider them consider themselves religious in any way but I'm like this cannot mean that they're not you know part of the club and it's it's I'm like well, they're they're living it they're already doing it you know and and this dive has just brought a lot of beauty we now like we found this spiritual teacher and she sort of teaches us once a week it's like a fun dean class and it's um it's really funny because my stepmom has this fear that i'm becoming this fanatic muslim and i'm like <laughs> no nah, i'm just learning all i'm doing is learning because um i pre i'm a seeker and i appreciate growing constantly and recognizing my ego and overcoming it and it's a daily practice and it just sort of humbles you and i realize especially now having a few more followers on instagram people sometimes make comments that shock me but because i don't fully understand the religion not like i you know we ever really can but i never really read the quran i didn't really dip into it it was always a literal understanding of it and so me having this knowing at least will protect me from what comes at me because there are always going to be people who you know pontificate and put their opinions and I get very sad when I, like when Sarah Hegazi passed away and I put a post of her and someone commented, and they said some really awful things about her. And I'm like, what are you gaining from thinking you're supporting the religion and standing up to it? Because that's your God. Like my God doesn't discriminate. You can like, I have the most forgiving God. And so I won't accept any of that kind. I, I, and, and again, it's funny because initially I was like wanting to just like block anyone like that. And this book sort of teaches you to just see with love, like no matter what, you know, I mean, like anyone who has that kind of darkness has that kind of lightness. And so it's just more of what we were raised with. But I, I won't tolerate sitting in that or having a conversation with that because the closer I get to faith, and again, it's this all-encompassing cocktail that I live by, there's a clarity and just a, a love, you know, and an acceptance. And the most important thing is I can't judge anyone. I'm not even interested in it. I'm not interested in judging you. And I do what I want to do. And my dad is, has become quite open-minded. And so I, I, basically can do whatever I want to do. If I want to shroom in his house, like he won't say anything because I know who I, I'm getting to know who I am and I have my connection with God. And I feel like I only want to attract people who can respect that and who I can also respect their decisions, but don't put anything on me and I won't want to put anything on you. And I think it's okay to offer, you know, an opinion or guidance, but never like we know more, we don't know what will serve someone else more than us, you know? And so I think it's just, it's been a really fun path um, the last couple months, deep diving and seeing where uh, everything has taken me. And so for me, I relate to Dina to tie it back in the sense that I see how for women, we sometimes, like I got mad while reading this book because I was like, wow, I was really robbed from my religion and the beauty of it. 
because of all the rules that were put on and feeling controlled and feeling like I was doing something wrong where all, all the men around me weren't. And there's such a strong level of perversion in the Middle East. Like, of course, beauty, you know, I don't want anyone coming at me like, don't generalize. It's not a generalization. I've heard many stories. I've had many experiences. And it's because of the extreme, the, the suppressed nature that we experience over there. And I feel like women need to question more and challenge more and, and read more and educate yourselves because it doesn't have to be that way. And no man is going to be like, I'm going to stand up for you right now. You actually deserve, no, we have to pave that way for ourselves. And so I feel like, you know, there's, it's funny how a friend of mine brought this up in the book club that there's like two verses, there's like a few, few verses in the Quran that talk about what a woman can't do. And then there's so much about social justice. And for some reason, focus on what we can't do when there's so much beauty in it and to look out for one another. But we, we like, don't find it in us to focus on that for some reason. That's not what I was raised with, you know? So, and, and, and for all everyone listening who was raised with that, like you're really lucky and share it with people because there's a lot of people who, who weren't and are left in the dark. And I truly believe this book is a gift for me at least. And for all the women who have been reading it, like we're really grateful for it. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think you touched on so many important points, especially the way that we were raised around Islam. I think we never really understood what Islam is and what our cultural boundaries and our cultural norms are. And I think there is a very thick line between those two. But, you know, growing up, yeah, we're taught what we're not allowed to do, what we can't do. And it kind of makes you realize that, like, what you're taught as a kid really impacts your relationship with Allah as you grow older. And, you know, there are so many negative ways that you can teach Islam, but there are so many positive and and positive like reinforcements and positive ways of thinking about Islam. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people grow up with this negative thought about what Islam is and how can it inhibit me from doing what I want to do and living life the way that I want to live. And I'm so glad you found this book and I'm so glad that you mentioned it in the way that it's impacted their life, exactly. I think is a perfect example of why this book is so important. I, exactly, Zaina. Like, I'm glad you mentioned it, but I never knew. You're only on chapter four, and look at how much it has moved you and opened your mind and everything. And I appreciate what Zaina was saying exactly, but I, I feel like it's true. Like, when you're, when you're talking about dismantling the, the patriarchy, but we had this discussion before. Sometimes we think it's always the men of our community that kind of shun us, but sometimes it's also the women that hold these values. And when I'm talking about women, it's sometimes it's our grandmothers that still feel like a woman should be more sheltered or mm. she shouldn't do this or that. And we never think of it in that sense. And it's like, it's true. Sometimes the, the people who sheltered me the most sometimes were actually the women in my family and less the men in my family. It was actually my dad who's very open-minded. And I'm starting to veer away from saying he's Americanized. That's, that's not it. He's actually open-minded and he's following our faith in the correct manner. And he's not prohibiting me or kind of hindering me from anything. But sometimes it's the women. And again, I don't blame the women 100%. It's just what we were raised with. And they came from a completely different generation than, than we did. And I, I just really appreciate the fact that you did talk about this book. I'm honestly really excited to read it. And I think when you reach certain points in your life in a certain age, you're almost like kind of reconnecting yeah. with your faith. I feel like sometimes certain hardships really leave an imprint on us that we feel like, okay, I, I really need to talk to God. I really need to go on this spiritual journey once more. And I feel like we're always growing. We're always, always growing. And I, I, I love the fact that I think we're finally coming to the point where we're we're deciding how to connect to our faith, to God. And our religion isn't black and white. It isn't just right and wrong. There, there's just so many facets to it. And at the end of the day, when you brought up Sada, the judging is left up to Allah. I can't sit here and say I'm a better Muslim because what she did is a sin. Well, what about the 10,000 other sins that I've committed in my yeah. lifetime? Allah didn't place us on this earth for us to compare sins with one another. What kind of life is that? What kind of human being is that? What kind of creation is that? That you're just going to sit here and just compare sins with one another. And I think sometimes, oftentimes, when we do that, it's because we want to feel less guilty about our own sins. Yes, good point. Yeah, I, I, I feel like truly when we, when we discuss other people's sins, and we try to put a veil over our sins, it's it's more so like, well, at least I didn't do what she did or what he did. And, you know, I think sometimes that Allah is just so merciful that he protects you by covering the sins that you've committed behind closed doors that nobody knows about. And if people did, they would shun you just like they shun everybody else who's quote unquote sin has come to come to light, you know. So I think people need to be just a little bit more humble. 
there's more to us as Muslimin. It's not just praying the five times a day. It is also understanding the 99 names of Allah. And I think that's what you were touching upon, his attributes. So that was beautiful. A minute, or I don't even know, 10 minutes or an hour of contemplation, like true contemplation about God is like more important than a lifetime of prayer. God knows what's in your heart, you know? So if you're just doing it to keep up in appearance, which unfortunately happens in our society a lot because of the pressures, God knows that. I don't know, you reach a point where you're like, oh, I, I can't believe I even listened to anyone. It's, it's what I feel inside. All I want to do is cultivate that connection and that faith. And people who make you feel bad, maybe it's because their whole life they tried to keep up that. Because I believe when you're truly following the faith and you're truly connected, you cannot see in it with, with judgmental eyes. It's not even possible to be able to see in that way means there's possibly, this is just from my limited understanding, right? So no one, uh, you know, think that I'm like speaking some kind of truth, but if you're able to, if you're sitting and judging, then there's something that's maybe a little missing. And like, why don't you see that judgment as a gift that, oh, maybe I need to go in a bit deeper. You know, and, and maybe that's like a part of me that needs a bit more love or a part. And because people want to do it so right that when they see someone who's falling all over the place, quote unquote, they get angry because deep down they're like, what's the point? I've been doing everything right. And you're just having this fun time being you. But that's the point. And in the book, it's it's she even says she's like, pray. it's not about sitting at home and praying. You know, it's about being a good person, going out, social justice. Our faith helps us find our authentic selves. And that's up to each person. There, there's risk involved in that. And there's knowledge that you need to gain. Don't just like sit and pray and hope for the best. You gotta, you gotta work. <laughs> and it's a lot of work to like forget what you've learned in the past and kind of relearn this like new thing. Cause it's kind of like rediscovering what the true meaning of Islam is and all the values it holds. So I think that the first step is a, the hardest step I think to take to kind of like forget the childhood knowledge that you still carry on to you to today and kind of relearn that process of connecting to Islam and finding your own path to that. I think it's um for me at least very like, inspirational when I see someone create their own path to the religion and connect to God in a way that they couldn't imagine connecting to God in their in their adolescent years you know what I mean I'm glad you mentioned that Zena because my next point was the fact that like I don't want to spoil I don't want to give any spoilers or anything like that but just generally speaking Rami showed us from season one to season two he really didn't I guess and I don't know how to explain it but just he really didn't progress I guess spiritually and I, I use that term loosely like progress because what does progression mean who knows is uh is it like maybe we're progressing in our hearts but our actions still don't you know they don't depict what's going on in our hearts and our mind and what we really want to do but I just love that because he was showing true honesty that getting yourself on the path is a struggle it's not it's not easy it, it's a lot of self-work that needs to be done it's a lot of self-awareness that needs to happen it's a lot of contemplation like you were talking about reflection just what are your goals are in life and why is it now do you feel the need to connect to Allah what, what are you expecting from Allah what are you expecting from your creator you know what I mean but I, I just truly value the fact that the show shows that it's not easy to stay on the spiritual path no matter how much your heart yearns for it you're still going to continue overcoming your nafs. And I think that's the hardest part. It's almost like you're in a battle with yourself. You're, the hardest part is overcoming yourself and your worldly desires. And I think that's why it's always just like, a, it's always going to be a struggle. The spiritual journey is always going to be a struggle. So whoever's listening, don't think like, you know, May, me, and Zaina are like, oh, we're devout Muslims. No, we're perfect. We found our spirit. We're on a spiritual high. It's always, it's always going to be a struggle. There was a part where your mom in the show, she said something and it's like literally stuck to me. She said, does God even know you? And I don't know, there's something like that that just stuck out for me. What are your guys' thoughts on that or just even that question in general? Like, did you ever struggle with the fact that does God even know that I exist? Obviously, we know God knows that we exist. Yeah. But did you ever feel to the point where you were so disconnected that even your mind allowed you to believe that God doesn't even know you exist and he doesn't care for you? Yeah, definitely. I felt that for a while. And then I remember I was afraid of evil eye. <laughs> I was in a, a small intimate group of people and we had a facilitator and we were doing shrooms together and we do it not recreationally. We do it to sort of go deeper within ourselves. 
And I mentioned something about being afraid of energies that I can't control or can't see. And there was a girl there who I didn't know very well, but sort of, and she decided to join. And then I happened to, we did it in a house and I walked in her room at one point and she just gave me this talk about how, I think she might've even been reading the Quran. I don't remember what it was, but she gave me a about how I wasn't, that I wasn't connected to my source. And you literally need to be like a light needs to be connected to a source to turn on. And if I'm, if I'm connected, then I would be able to find solace in that connection and surrender this fear that I have and feel the protection because God is protection. And she said much more, but I remember, I mean, everything hit me and I went to my room and I spent the whole night crying because I felt God so strongly. And I was like, you've been here the whole time. You've actually, this whole time, I thought I did everything. I thought I followed my dream to be an actor. I thought I got on a show. I thought I did, it was always you. And I made it about me and I put it on my shoulders. And you've been this, like this person handing me gifts, everything I've been wanting, you've been handing it to me. And then I've been taking it with another hand and thanking myself in the mirror or something I you know chills. wow I, I got the chills yeah. too no but it was really profound for me and it changed that night changed my life and that's why when people you don't need psychedelics to feel god you don't need any of that but when when anyone's like this is haram or don't do this or don't do that i'm just like don't stop anyone from finding their path because it might be through pain. It might be through making a quote unquote mistake or something tragic happening that someone maybe could have avoided, but that helps them turn back to God, you know? So just stay out of everyone's business and let them find their way because that experience for me was profound and I'm so grateful to it. And my friend, she's, Uh, She's in the book club and she's one of my very dear friends. But that's when I finally saw and and especially just literally that night, I remember praying for a spiritual understanding of Islam and being in bed and scrolling through my photos and seeing that quote and looking up and finding the book. And this was another realization I had is we pray, but I learned to pray for the clarity because the answers are always given to us but we just don't always see them. So sometimes I'm praying and I'm like, I know you're laughing at me. I know that you're like, I'm putting it in front of you, but I can't see it. So just please give me more clarity. And, but there was still the work I had to do. I still had to search for that quote or search for this book and then read the book. I'm not done with the book and the book is going to take. So the answer is like, never. sometimes, but it's not always handed on a platter. There's, it's, it's like, you want an answer? Fine, but you're going to have to put in a lot of work to get that answer that you want. I'm just going to kind of like open the door for you. And that's the free will, right? That we get to walk through that door or not. Man, that that was everything right there. Because oftentimes, I think we've all reached a point in our life or we had a point in our lives where we just assumed like, oh, let me pat myself on the back because I I was able to have all these successes and all, and all this good stuff that was happening to me. But little did you know that it was actually Allah allowing this to all manifest in your life. And we tend yeah. to forget that. And you know what? I feel like, Allah is always on our mind, but not. But when I say on our mind, obviously, like sometimes it's, he's always on the back burner rather than on the forefront because, you know, and the reason why I say this is because why is it that when we face the hardest of hardships, the most difficult of hardships is when we call upon Allah? Because in the back of our mind, we always knew, obviously, Allah was always there watching us. But if for some odd reason, we we just generally don't connect with him until we reach our breaking point so it's like we always do know that Allah is there and I think that's something that I'm trying my best to have Allah always on the forefront of my mind and because for just life decisions in general like when I have Allah on the forefront of my mind I know that like whatever decision I'm making I want Allah to be to be content with the decision I made to be happy with the decision I made and for this decision to allow me to even come even closer to Allah I think like I said, the spiritual journey that everybody's on, it's, it's so beautiful, like Zaina said. Like, I think all of us have a different spiritual journey. And I think that this, that's why I truly appreciate the show, Rami. I truly yeah. do. I feel like it allows you to ask yourself these questions and it kind of triggers you to, like, it, just go beyond. Go beyond what we hear at our mosque. And I, I love our mosque and I love the lectures that we have, but just going a little bit step further, just that step of being really uncomfortable. And doing the work yourself, like, and like doing the she work was yourself. saying. But also something that I think I'm learning 
the more I talk to incredible women like yourself and the more that I watch shows like Rami and the more that I engage with what's going on around me that you can't really compare your connection to Allah and your path to Allah to somebody else's. You know what I mean? For someone who prays their five uh, daily prayers, someone who's constantly reading the Quran, just because I might, you know, miss some salahs just because I might not pick up the Quran as often as I, I should or you know as often as the person next to me doesn't mean that I'm my connection with Allah is weaker do you know what I mean and I think we're constantly viewing it through like a lens of like you're not a good Muslim okay you're a bad Muslim you're a good Muslim you're a bad Muslim but there, like you said it's not black and white and there's so much gray in our religion and I think that's the beauty of it yeah you know what I mean like we can create that connection to Allah in our own ways and you know, sometimes it's easier for us to judge because we came from such sheltered households. I think that's also the thing. We we weren't exposed to the real world until we kind of hit our college days, college years and whatnot. And then you got to meet different people that came from different walks of life. Yeah. And you start to realize that there's a bigger world out there, that there are other people out there and the, and the way that they're living their life and their journey is going to be completely drastically different than yours. You know, some people can go through certain hardships. It might be the same hardship, like losing a loved one, but everybody kind of perceives that loss in a different manner. Everybody's hardship is always going to be unique to them. But I think it's just beautiful that we're even having this conversation. I do want to talk about evil eye. Yes. And I think yeah, that's something we never really delved into too deep. But I love that your episode was about it. But we, you also share something really personal in that episode. And I can't thank you enough for, for doing that. But let's talk about the evil eye, what your thoughts were on your episode, and how important was it for you to talk about just what your personal struggle was um, and if you want to bring that up. Ah, Dina's episode sometimes is a bit of the trouble child. You know, Rami had suggested a few things and I wasn't that excited. And it's also such a g great place I can be at to, <laughs> to have that relationship with him. But I remember, so I, when I was 22, developed alopecia while my mom was ill. She had stage four lung cancer and I didn't know, I wasn't, you know, a lot of, so it's, 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 I'm grateful that I'm getting deeper into my faith now. Um, and just, you know, practices in general, because, um, I didn't understand how to surrender at that time. And I was so afraid of, of my mom dying. I was so, I, I had zero control and I like control and, uh, my hair started falling and I developed alopecia and I was like, what is this? And, and at in Dubai, doctors didn't really know what to do with it. And, and one doctor was finally like, are you stressed? And my mom was there and she was like, yes, she is because I'm sick. And I was so mad. I was like, that's not what it is. There's something wrong with me that's causing this. Like, it's not just stress. Uh, how do you figure out what to do with stress? You know, and then it's funny because I, I found this healer at the time in Lebanon in the mountains and I took my mom there and I was like, please heal my mom. And then he did stuff with me. And it's funny because after my mom passed away six months later, not long after my hair just all grew back to what it was. And it was just relinquishing that fear that, I mean, the worst happened, you know, that my hair all grew back. And I, I'd say that experience, part of that experience is what led me onto my path. I always like my friends say that I have the yellow pages of, of like healers, but I hadn't really experienced it since then. And then last summer I was in a great place, but I noticed that I like the alopecia had come back and I was so gutted. And especially the fact that I was going to film again, I was like, I don't want to deal with this now. You know, there's a, there's so much pressure on looking a certain way or looking your best or, and, and I, didn't realize how I always I'm quite natural so I was shocked that I even cared so much about it but I'm grateful that I went through that because it's helped me you know remove a few more veils of, of the importance that we put on our outer appearance um, and the validation that we need from that I was trying to hide it the whole time and Rami found out about it I'm not sure how he says I told him and that's not how it happened because I didn't want to tell anyone. <laughs> and, and I think I think one of our mutual best friends told him and he came to me like walking in the hallway and was just like, hey, I was thinking, what if we made your episode about this? And I was like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't feel good. And then he's like, no, that's great. If it doesn't feel good, that's great. And so he would ask me questions. And re I remember years ago I, I my friend was like oh go see this man he's like a seer or something and he can 
he can like help you or he can he was it was in Dubai and he's like you should leave Dubai you're gonna do big things and all this kind of stuff and I was like okay okay I mean because that was sort of my struggle do I stay do I leave what do I do and he's like oh but you know you should tie your hair because evil eye hits your hair and this is after I'd experienced alopecia so I was like what even though that it was because of stress you know but I just was so I got affected by it and and I but I told that experience to Rami so then he's like okay let's add in this whole evil eye evil eye experience and I guess taking it back to what I believe I always grew up with my mom she was superstitious but it wasn't crippling or anything but she just believed in being humble about things and not showing things off and she and and I find that that sort of that I carry that with me I don't really like to share things until they've come to fruition. Even now, I'm like, should I post this picture? I'm totally doing it for validation. But I'm like, all right, fine. As long as I'm aware that I'm doing it, you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm just here. <laughs> then whatever, it's fine. You know, but I'm not, I, I, I don't find a need in sharing a lot about my personal life or like showing myself a lot. And And yeah, maybe a part of it is, because I, it's, it's not so much people are going to give me the evil eye, but maybe it's more just staying humble that I, I like to look at it from that perspective and, and just being grateful for what I have. And if you're going to share something, just know why you're sharing it right now. Um, but I, I don't, I struggle because I don't like to give too much power to it at the same time. There is power there. There's definitely like an unseen power there, I believe, because I've like seen really crazy things and heard stories, but it's not something that I'm going to let direct my movements in my day. I like that you said that because I believe an evil eye to a certain extent. And when I say to a certain extent, I don't allow it to be the reason why things are going wrong in my life all the time. If I were to say, oh, this went wrong in my life, it's evil eye, then I'm not taking accountability. I'm not taking action. I'm just basically saying that everything's happening because of evil eye. And, and I don't think that's a healthy fault, way to yeah. live. But do I believe in it? Yes, I honestly do. I've heard crazy stories too. I refuse to live my life to allow evil eye to cripple me to that extent where right. I just assume everybody's out to get me. Oh my God. And I'm just going to hide in a corner and not anybody see me. I think this is my goal for this year, not to have that victim mindset. I think, honestly, when you play that victim mindset, I know people try to do it in a, in a way to show that the other person is wrong and what they did is wrong. And it is valid. It is wrong. But you have to get to a certain point in your life where you don't continue playing that victim mindset because you're only hindering yourself in life genuinely. Well, I remember when I first got engaged, I was constantly posting pictures of me and my fiance. And like whenever I would post a picture, we would argue. And I was like, okay, there is something yeah. here. There is something here. There is a connection. <laughs> but I think as I get older and like the more that we're together, the more that we're married, I'm learning that in an age where like we're constantly oversharing and constantly yeah. overposting, like I want to keep something sacred to myself. You know what I mean? So I'm not posting every birthday dinner. I'm not posting every anniversary gift because I need something that's mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, does that but make I like sense? that word sacred because honestly, what is sacred anymore Nothing. in this life? I feel like everything is on social media. And honestly, I'm guilty too. Yeah. Like I feel like you're so excited about sharing things. Sometimes like I share things on social media before I even tell my own family. And I'm like, wait, what, what have I come to? Like, why am I this? way this is not right you know what I mean so it's like I think we definitely need to take a step back and I think evil eye is one of the reasons for sure but it's just like other reasons but right. like what are your thoughts May on the fact that Rami created a whole storyline about one of your insecurities isn't it so empowering to be able to just own that on screen and to feel like maybe other women out there are, are like literally like just showing so much gratitude towards you for talking about something like this feels really nice I hated it in the moment and the month I felt really ugly and gross and I was like I didn't like myself and then I was mad at myself for not liking myself because I was like you're above this you don't care about this stuff you know what's happening and I was like well this is my truth at the moment when it came out and you know the messages I received from people men and women but people from all over being happy because alopecia is not always spoken about and it felt it, it feels really nice to connect on that level and it's also has helped me give less weight to how I look. I'm starting to get more attracted to people who are, who, you know, who embrace their natural beauty. It's funny, I'll annoy some of my, if they post photos and they're full of makeup, I'll be like, why are you wearing all this makeup? And they'll be like, enough. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, the more, like, you know, enjoying it is fine. But it's just like, when one of my best friends was just like really challenging me and he's just like, the freedom is not caring, you know, like 
you care too much about these things. Like, and I'm like, okay, but I grew up in that society. Every girl was like a doll around me. And if, if someone was beautiful, they'd be like, she should be an actor. It was, there's so much weight on the looks, you know? And so, yeah, even, even like when, when parents would be like, oh, you should, you know, do this or do that. Like men like it, that kind of stuff sticks with you when you're younger. And then as you're older, you're like, ew, why do you think this way? Oh yeah, because of that. Now that's like another thing I need to rewire in me. And it's just, um, it's so this experience showed me how exhausted I was trying to always, you know, maintain some sort of standard, even though I'm not even really like that. I do not sit and do my hair every day or wear makeup or anything, but I, yeah, I, I like to look decent, you know, but I realize what I want now is to find this inner magnetism. And that comes from just really feeling good inside. And that just translates on the outside. And that's what I'm more interested in right now but i'm grateful to and then it made me realize like of course i'd love to make I, i'd love to act in many different types of shows but putting stuff out there that's uncomfortable is sort of what i want to do because it's healing for me and i i'm assuming and hoping and and you know have received messages that it was healing for others and what better way to serve <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air to watch that show like i i can't recommend it enough again it's it might not be everybody's cup of tea but I, I think it also depends on what journey what life journey you're on at the moment where you are on your journey but i feel like i'm on the at the point where like yeah i i appreciate shows like rami i appreciate the honesty and just how raw and real it is and when it comes to makeup like my personal connection to makeup is I for me and it's it's like yeah I'm I'm not doing it for myself I know some people do it for themselves I know some people just like to enjoy makeup and they wear it, but for me it's like it's it's my sense of feeling like I'm in control of of something I feel like sometimes if I have makeup and I look decent on the outside that nobody can tell how I'm truly feeling on the inside if I that day I just feel like I'm just totally like just tore down and I don't feel like talking to anybody I don't want that to kind of, I don't want anybody else to know that. So I put on makeup, I do my hair and people think, oh, well, she's put together. Literally that my therapist, the first thing she said, is she's like, she's like, I want you to talk about why you are all well put together. She's like, what does that mean to you? And I told her that's what it translates to. It translates to that no way would anybody pass me on the street and think that my life is just falling apart. You can't mm -hmm. tell, you know what I mean? You cannot tell because I've, I've made sure that on the outside I present myself well. So you don't know what's going on in the inside of me. And I think again, that goes back to caring what other people think and there's so much rewiring that we have to do oh my god so much and it's like i'm done blaming other people for this rewiring let me just get the work done and do it for myself you're right it's looking deeper into when you need it you know or you feel like that's the only time you're gonna feel good about yourself that's when i think it requires a little of maybe interrogating exactly that's why i don't want to generalize it when it comes in like you even said it like me it's not generalizing it's not saying that every girl that puts on makeup is because she's trying to prove a point it goes back to just don't judge anybody or don't assume assume certain things about people everybody is just you know they're on their own journey and certain things mean certain things to some to some people but I want to talk about something in regards to, you know, the whole relationship that ensued between Rami and Zainab. And I absolutely loved it. It was so interesting. And I like the part where I, you know, the one part that intrigued me is when Rami was trying to tell Zainab about his past and she's like, I don't care to hear it. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I feel like mm, I kind of want to know your past to a certain extent. What are to your thoughts on that? To a certain extent, as long as like the past mistakes stay in the past, like they're not like dripping into the, the present or, you know, th that they're going to resurface in the future. But I feel like everyone has a past. Everyone's made mistakes in their lives. And I feel like on some level, you need to know the big things, but... On some levels, you really don't because as long as they're in the past, they're in the past. Look, I feel like to a certain point, you can't judge people on their hardships like you were saying because didn't we all have hardships in life? Isn't yeah. our hardships what evolved us into who we are today? Isn't isn't our hardships the, the, the things that brought us closer to our God in some aspects? So it's like, what are your thoughts when you're kind of starting to talk to somebody? How much of their past would you like to know? I don't really care. I'm happy to know all of it. Not from a place to... I'm not investigating. Yeah. I just think that has made someone up. I like to know their relationships that they loved and how it affected them and even relationships that hurt them because it just gives me a little bit of intel on to them and where they are. So I'm I'm naturally a very curious person, but it's not coming with like a reason to hold it against them at any point. You know, it's just I just like knowing and I share. I like sharing as well. It's more just like stories that get us to know about each other and bring us closer to each other. 
I'm always against like holding somebody holding somebody kind of not accountable but just like using their past against them because I feel like our past kind of led us to meet one another isn't it our past that have allowed us to cross paths that's a good point would you use that against somebody again are there deal breakers hell yeah if the person's abusive if he's a cheater or if he or she is a cheater yeah those are obvious you know common deal breakers but you can't judge somebody on the things that they went through especially if they told you like this is what I went through and this is what I learned from it and I'm this is where I'm at right now in my life so I think Sometimes we we all of a sudden want to act like we're perfect and we don't we're free of sins when we meet somebody yes. new and, and you have all your friends yes. as like secret PIs like digging through his Instagram finding like the past like five exes that he's had like those I think the limit to what we need to know and and if you invest that much energy searching into someone's past I feel like you're not invested in the present or you're not invested in the future because you're you're going to be stuck in the past and I think yeah. you're only going to focus on like the mistakes quote unquote that they've made or I think it's also what motive you have when you want to know that person you know what I mean yeah and in regards to what you're saying about friends I think we come from such a small community May that sometimes people already know the like the 411 on whoever you're talking to already and they have their whole list of opinions on this person so I think that's what you meant by that like it's like I yeah my friends are not gonna be the type that go and search this person and find no sometimes it's like certain things about certain people are common knowledge but I'm not here to say that common knowledge is always true it could also be false and again like sometimes it's hard to judge somebody from what somebody else said because I'm a firm believer that people have different relationships with others like the person I'm talking to probably had a different relationship with their ex or their an ex-friend or somebody else like I'm a whole completely different person maybe you and I are going to mesh differently maybe you and I are going to bring the goodness out of one another so it's like it's hard for me to just sit there and believe somebody who is an ex of somebody that says so and so about somebody yeah if that makes sense if you guys know it does make sense what about our relationship with our parents i think rami is always touching upon this topic like our relationship with our parents and i think sometimes like i get a little emotional i know this show is rami supposed to be hilarious but it's like it's so interesting to see our parents well you know parents on screen like in a different light to show them actually having a personal life and oftentimes we think our parents are just our parents they're people that you just come home to they're at home just waiting for their kids to come home no they actually have interests and they have a life outside of their kids too what are your thoughts on that you know when you i mean my mom was ill and so i lost that idea of a mom because there were there were towards and she couldn't even she wasn't there for me and that was something i had to reconcile with like oh okay you're physically here but you're not really the mom that i knew and so i saw her as someone i needed to take care of in that way and it wasn't about me and my needs. And then with my dad, same. I mean, he he lost someone and um, he needed that kind of partner again. And, and like for a year, we didn't talk a lot because he was in the States with my brother and I was in Dubai and, and, I, and I'd message him and I'd be like, can you just ask about me sometimes? It's like, I miss you, you're my dad, you know? And he, he just, is really chill in certain ways, but it wasn't his fault. I, I, he just, he was on a mission. He, something was lacking in him. And then he, you know, he found my stepmom and, and I guess sometimes I stay with them and I see their arguments and he'll come talk to me about it. And then she'll come. And sometimes I'm like, I cannot facilitate between <laughs> you guys. Like my dad is a friend, you know, and I think we've become, we've become friends and he'll, he'll sometimes give me an opinion, but our relationship has grown in that way where he just trusts me a lot and I trust him. And I think because I started accepting and, and, and just loving him for who he was, I, I sort of got the same back from him. He sometimes like he, like a year ago, some, a friend of his called and I've mentioned this sometimes and I heard him on the phone and he was like, yeah, May's still not married. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, please don't discuss my relationship status with any of your friends. You can about the things I've you know done you know like my career and whatnot but maybe I won't get married you're gonna have to be okay with that because at the end of the day it's my choice I'm gonna live how I want to live and at the end of the day my dad just wants us to be happy and he just wants love and 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 I really appreciate that he was able to get because he used to be very strict when we were younger and so that's sort of what it is stop putting some societal expectation on me because I'm kind of a rebel in that way and then I'm going to fight against it. So just 
I think like now he's letting me be and I let him be. And so we're just more friends than anything. And I need, that's what I need at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that's the that. goal. You want to have that friendship between your parents. And I love that Rami focuses on the relationship between parents because sometimes you need to see it from an outside perspective in order to see that our parents are actually people. And like, you don't see that when you're living at home with your parents on a daily basis. You only hear, you know, maybe the comments that they tell you or, you know, like, hey, my daughter's friend is married. Why aren't you? You know what I mean? You only focus on that stuff. But when you really take a step back and look at it through their perspective, it's a completely different ball game, I think, in my opinion. I generally feel so bad for our parents, you guys. And maybe I'm t- talking from my perspective, but they came from a generation where they didn't discuss feelings. They didn't discuss how they felt. Like even to this day when they're having discussions, like on the phone, like my mom's on the phone with, you know, family friends or just actual family relatives. Like I don't hear them actually like having deep conversations about how they feel. So yeah. imagine always bottling up what you're going through and not discussing with anybody. You don't want to put that burden on your kids. You don't have any outside of your family to talk about these things because you come from a generation where it was not normalized to talk about how you feel you just basically take these hardships and you run with it so I, I really genuinely feel bad for our parents and I think sometimes we always focus on like oh my parents always want to co-sign all of my decisions whatever I do I feel like I always have to run it past them like when can I become an adult and do things on my own I think that there's a way to do that and I think it's just actually having a conversation with your parents and that's something I honestly always struggled I think I've always fought with my parents because I had such horrible communication skills like I always just felt like I'm the oldest and they're always against me and why am I the one that has to always like pave the way for my siblings because basically my siblings I would say they probably disagree but they have an easier life than me I feel like they kind of I don't want to say get away with things because they're not doing anything horrible but you know, I felt like I was more so pressured into marriage. They were not. But I'm just grateful for my dad specifically because he comes from, I don't want to say a closed-minded family, but a family that does heavily put, like, put a lot of pressure on having married daughters. And my dad has not ever once sat down with me and told me, you need to get married. Never once has even honestly talked about marriage to me. He doesn't even ever, like I know he would like to have grandkids, but I think that's what he just wants, grandkids. I don't yeah. think he ever cares about son-in-laws or not. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I generally appreciate my dad for just allowing my life to be a little bit easier to not have two parents pressuring me into marriage. And I think like we reach a certain age where, yeah, we do need to develop a friendship with our parents. Like an actually really good, deep connection with our parents because, you know, they've always been there for us. We've never known a life without them. They've known a life without us. So it's like their lives completely and drastically changed once we came into our lives. And nobody really prepared them for anything that went on in their lives. They just basically just dealt with everything at a time and they had no guidebook and it's it's hard so I, I genuinely appreciate our parents and I'm glad that Rami kind of showed us that perspective like seeing the dad on his own in one episode and seeing um your the mom on her own nice it was amazing like I was like wow like they actually have lives outside yeah. of us I, I absolutely love that and another reason why I loved Rami is that the fact that they touched upon racism what were your thoughts on that especially because I think it's super important that he did that since you know, it's coming from perspective of the non-black community and the responsibility that we have that we should be talking about these things. We should be talking about what's going on in regards to the black community. They are our brothers and sisters as Absolutely. well. Yeah, no, it made me very happy. I love that the sheikh was black because Arabs, sometimes there's like a, a belief that Arabs have authority over the Quran, but we don't. And I, I mean... I, I loved Mahershala's, you know, portrayal of the sheikh, and it just made sense to use the uncle as the person who sort of instigates that. Uh, I think it's important to have these conversations and to show both sides. You know, Uncle Nassim is not bad. He's not a bad guy, but he just has these views, and a lot of the views just protect him from, you know, they help him cope with his own stuff. There was, it's funny because even in the book club today, there was like a quote about something the prophets said about the revelation coming helped, you know, maintain uh, peace among race, among like different socioeconomic castes. And it's just, I'm like, where did that go? That's what I feel sometimes. Where did that go? Because it's, um, it's just such a, uh, where did we miss the mark to start to stop looking at all of creation as one because of the color of someone's skin, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's beyond me. And, you know, I've, my, my dad has made comments that have upset me before, but we've had so many more conversations and I really do feel like he's um, seeing in a, in a much more open-minded and understanding and empathetic way. 
it just made me really happy. And it's more that the conversations weren't really had properly because when I used to have them, I'd get over emotional and angry. And now I educate myself more. I can, I can reach someone in a way that they can hear more. And it's just really great to put that, hold that mirror up to people to ask them, how do you want to show up now that you see it? You don't have to deny that this is going on because it's going on. It just is. So even if you've never made any remarks, you're still complicit if you haven't stopped anyone else from making remarks, you know? So it's just important for people to just have the awareness because that's the first step and accept it. I, I think all of us have had these quote-unquote uncomfortable conversations mm. with our parents recently, and I think we've yes. let these conversations go for such a long time. We never actually like delved into what's going on outside. Like it's it's sad that we had to wait this long, but I'm just genuinely like just really happy with my parents and their conversations that I've been overhearing when they're in the kitchen and how they're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm like, you know, we've come a long way. These discussions have come a long way because here I am hearing just the both of them talking about it and how they are, of course, in favor of BLM and how they're witnessing what's going on and what's unraveling and how, you know, the black community has always been just wronged on so many different levels. You know what I mean? And you know, I think all of us have always been outraged, but for the first time, I think why everybody's saying, well, why now? Why is everybody fine? I think it's just, we finally decided to put all of our voices together. I think that's why it's like now we're seeing it on TV. We're seeing all these tweets. We're seeing all these social media movements. It's because all of us were individually outraged, but we finally, finally decided to come together and put our voices together. When I say everybody, I'm talking about different communities, especially the Muslim community. We can't deny that there is anti-blackness. We've had a couple episodes on this. And we actually had Aisha, who before the death of George Floyd, or the murder of George Floyd, she came on and she said, like, why is it that when you have uh, a black sheikh, nobody takes him seriously? Yes. She's like, I've had, I've seen, witnessed my dad who he would, you know, mention things of the Quran, mention certain teachings, and people would scoff at him and be like, you, I know better than you. I'm Arab. You're not. You know what I mean? That makes no that's sense. That's so sad. Like, how, you know, how can you just sit there and realize, like, that's the same community you come from? Because that's not right. So I appreciate the fact that Rami just it's very time sensitive that he decided to talk about racism mm -hmm. and highlight it in certain parts and I like that the way he talks about certain things he doesn't give like a straight black and white opinion on it it's up to you to decide how you want to translate it and I and I genuinely enjoy that I think the first step into creating a better community and a community that acknowledges that yes there is a problem is acknowledging it like yes we're pointing out that it still exists in our community and what are we going to do in order to put an end to it there's a lot of work that needs to be done but even acknowledging that that problem still exists in our community is that first step we need to take absolutely i can't thank you enough may for coming on honestly i think it's so well deserved that the season has been renewed inshallah inshallah, inshallah. you guys um, i know it was announced season three but inshallah it goes through inshallah it ends up being just as amazing as the past seasons what hopes do you have for your character or for maybe just the show Rami in general? Um, I would just like to see the show dive in deeper to each person and their relationships with people and maybe understanding why they're the way they are more and the psychology. It's all about relationships in relation to others. That's all I could say because I, I might have wanted something for Dina at the end of season one and then six months later there's something completely different. So I'm sort of just staying open. <laughs> But yeah. I like that he's, like you said, he's removing one veil after the other. And you can't technically remove 10 veils on the same person within one season. So it's like with each season, we are truly learning more and more about each character. Like we got to see a very vulnerable side of Dina when she, when when you were open about your actual real life insecurity and what you're dealing with. So it was beautiful to see that. And it's just like, that's why I have high hopes for season three. I It's just like, if it's gotten to the point where you feel like these are actual family. And like that you actual know them. friends that you yeah. know them, that you're starting to know them. And that's what makes this show incredibly great. I, I genuinely love you. We both genuinely love you, May. You're always the so sweetest. So supportive. Well, like, you're so genuine. Just like the first time we ever talked to you, I was like, does she not know that she's on an incredible show? Yeah. And now she's, does she so not humble. know that they just won an award for their show? Like, <laughs> Moshallah, you're just so humbling. My manager makes fun of me. She's like, she forgets an actor yeah. like, <laughs> that's what i was telling my sister that i'm like you know may i'm like how do i describe her i'm like i think she doesn't realize that she's an actual amazing like she's a big actress. deal michelle like you are a big deal she treats I'm... everybody like she's just oh we're just yeah. friends i have i'm like she's I so incredible it. it doesn't phase me and that's what makes you so genuine and i think that's why allah continues to bless you with all these yes. amazing incredible blessings love you so much may thank you <laughs> thank you
know, it's always amazing to have Mekel Mawi come on our podcast. It's always such a good conversation. She is such an open book, and I truly appreciate her for that. And I didn't think that we were going to go so deep into faith, and I absolutely love that she was so open and talking about her struggles with faith. And yeah, we reach certain parts of our lives where it's almost like this transition from I know Islam through textbook, basically black and white. I have to pray five times a day. I have to read the Quran and this, you know, all that stuff. But then it gets to a point where you reach a certain age where you start to really connect to our faith in such a spiritual way where your mind, body, and soul is all connected. It's not just you doing physical movements. It's you truly feeling very, very close to Allah subhanAllah. And I think you only reach that spiritual connection as you get older and you realize I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this to please my parents. I'm not doing this to please my Islamic studies teacher. I'm doing this because I want to build that connection with Allah and I'm it's not serving anyone else but yourself it's not and I, I think it's just so beautiful in the way that we all interpret our faith in such a different way because I said it in the episode it's really unique to what hardships and what blessings you faced in life and I think that's the, the I guess that's the ladder that you use that kind of brings you closer and closer to Allah it's really your hardships but at the same time I'm also learning how to allow my blessings to bring me closer to Allah because make it we said it like she's like I need to remember not to think myself but also to think Allah like he's the one that allowed me to have all this success in my life and yeah the, I I don't know, I've just always, anything that happens in my life, like literally any, even just small good things, well, my lavender latte taste on point, I'm like, thank you, Allah, like yeah. literally this made my day. It's just like, to the, I got to that point, as silly as that sounds, but it just feels good to thank your creator throughout your day. And don't feel guilty if you don't, but let's just get into that habit, I guess. Get into that habit because really, like you said, everything that we get that's good and, and bad is from Allah. And I think we need to be grateful. And those are the experiences that we go through that I think bring us closer to him i love hearing stories about how other people are connecting to the religion and connecting and building that relationship with god not as a way to like you know envy them or be jealous of what they're doing in their connection but really to learn from it because i think yeah my experience with faith is different from may's and different from yours but i can still learn about your journey and it can help me i think move further along my journey as well i think i'm in the middle of a spiritual journey right now like physically people like to judge and assume that maybe you know you and i are not as spiritually sound as other people but i want to go beyond the veil the veil is so beautiful hijab is so beautiful you and i have already expressed multiple times that's you know a goal goal, of ours but i feel like you know i still feel further away from my true goal and i feel like I want to embody our faith in a way where when I come across people, they they are truly just where they truly feel the warmth from me. I feel like sometimes our faith is kind of, you know, it goes beyond the prayer mat. It's just also how you treat people and stuff like that. And I feel like that's something that I want to get to, to that point, to not allow things to get to me and everything like that. And we talked about this in our intro, just scorekeeping and that it goes beyond just marriages or relationships. It's just everybody that you meet in life. and. Yeah, that's, I think that's something that we're all facing right now, knowing that like we're in COVID and we're kind of looking more inner now and we're really like thinking about what are our next steps in life and what is life and how can we be better Muslimin because clearly that's what's really important right now. But yeah, I think it's super important for everybody to have their own goal. Let's not compare our sins. Let's not compare our struggles, our hardships, or even our blessings. Let's truly just focus on ourselves and our connection to Allah because at the end of the day, that's what really, really matters. Absolutely. And like I said, like you said, really, don't judge other people's journeys to yours because it's such a unique thing. And I think we go through different things in life and we react to different things in life. And I think that's Allah's way of bringing him, bringing us closer to him. Yeah. And I think the one thing you guys that have noticed in COVID is just how lucky and how grateful we should be because of who we're surrounded by i've noticed more than ever like my friends and family honestly it's just the warmth and the love that they've always shown me i'm so 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 grateful for each one of them thank you okay so i wasn't done but i was gonna say <laughs> including you saying that this girl i was literally looking at her all like it was a very romantic yeah, moment because she knew i was about to say i remember the moment always always <laughs> give it to zayna but the point is you guys love everybody that's around you appreciate life truly it's so so short and like we always say nobody honestly imagined this pandemic was gonna ever happen and here we are but at the end of the day just be grateful for all that you have and inshallah khair for us all thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week zayn and i truly appreciate you guys and inshallah we can catch you guys next week bye